Welcome back to our series of questions and answers. In this session, we are answering the question, where do we get the New Testament? Now, the answer to this question is in some ways quite a bit different than the answer we gave to the question, where do we get the Old Testament? Now, the Old Testament, of course, was written over a lengthy period of time, but Christians received it as a whole from the Jews. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah promised and prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. And so we receive what we call the Old Testament scriptures, what uh, we also call the, the Hebrew Bible, right? The Jewish scriptures. We received those, that same set of books that the Jews recognized as scripture, as inspired. We, rec we received that uh, as, as a whole, right? And because again, we believe that Christianity is the fulfillment of what was promised and prophesied in those scriptures. But with the New Testament, it's a little bit different. And with the New Testament, we get to see some of the uh, development of the canon of this set of authoritative books that we call the New Testament, uh, how that developed over time and how that set of books came to be recognized by the church. So we're going to start with something I think is, is very fascinating, which is some evidence in the New Testament for a developing canon, so to speak, or evidence in the New Testament uh, that books that were being written in the first century were already being recognized as scripture equal to the Old Testament scriptures. Now we're going to look at a couple of places where we see that. One of them is in the book that we call 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 18. This is written by the Apostle Paul to the pastor Timothy. And here's what Paul says. He says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Now, here's the question. Paul just said, these are things that Scripture says. So where do these quotes come from? Well, the first one, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, that comes from Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. That's from the Torah, from the first five books of uh, Moses, the books of the law in the Old Testament Scriptures. No surprise there that Paul would call that Scripture. The second quote, the laborer deserves his wages, that comes from Jesus, and that can be found in Luke 10.7, uh, and also in uh, Matthew 10.10, 10, there's a, a similar statement. And so Paul is quoting Jesus, perhaps from a written gospel of Luke or Matthew, uh, and is saying, uh, this is what Scripture says. Now, when Paul says, even in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God, mainly what he has in mind is the Old Testament Scriptures. Now, that's true of New Testament Scripture as well. But if we stop and think about it, what Paul had to have in mind would have been mainly the Old Testament because when Paul wrote those words, he was writing part of the New Testament. Timothy didn't have 2 Timothy when Paul was writing it until he received it, right? And how long would it be before other people received that book and were able to read it and understand it and, and so on? So uh, when he says all scripture is breathed out by God, he's talking mainly about 
the Old Testament, or another way to say it would be the books of Scripture that Timothy would have at that time would mainly be books of the Old Testament, though it's possible he had a copy of one of the Gospels, right? Because again, there in 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul quotes something from Jesus, and perhaps he's quoting from a Gospel that was already written out at that point, Luke or Matthew perhaps. So there's evidence in Paul's first letter to Timothy that uh, not only were Jesus' words being equated with Scripture, but perhaps there was even a written gospel that was called Scripture right alongside Deuteronomy, right alongside one of the books of the law. The second passage I want us to look at is in 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. And Peter says this. This is an interesting passage for multiple reasons, uh, but one of them is because of what it helps us see about books beginning to be recognized as Scripture. 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. Now let's pause there for just a minute. Peter, the apostle, is recognizing, commenting on Paul writing letters. Many of the books in the New Testament, 13 in fact, are letters written by the Apostle Paul. And Peter is talking about those letters that Paul has written. And then he goes on, he says, there are some things in them, that is in Paul's letters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Now, again, there's lots that's fascinating in there. What we want to focus in on is that phrase, as they do the other scriptures. Peter is calling Paul's letters scripture. He's saying there's people that, there are people that twist the scriptures. And again, mainly what Peter would have in mind at that point would probably be the Old Testament scriptures. Perhaps, um, a few books of the New Testament, right, as well. Uh, But mainly he'd be thinking of the Old Testament. But here he says about Paul's letters that they are being twisted to, like people twist not only Scripture, but the other Scriptures. Well, if they're twisting Paul's letters and the other Scriptures, then what are Paul's letters? Paul's letters are Scripture. So the Apostle Peter himself is calling Paul's writings Scripture in this book, 2 Peter, which will also be recognized as Scripture. And Paul, in one of his letters, which Peter has just referred to as Scripture, quotes as Scripture not only Deuteronomy, but also a saying of Jesus, perhaps from a written gospel. So there's evidence in the New Testament already that as these books are being written, that they are being acknowledged by the apostles as Scripture, as having an equal standing with the Old Testament books that were recognized as inspired by God and fulfilled in Christ, in Jesus the Messiah. So those two passages are key for understanding the development of the New Testament canon. Now, I keep using that word development, and and here's the reason why. When it comes to the New Testament, we have to remember 
that there was a period of time in which the books of the New Testament were being written, and then there was a second period of time in which those books were being passed around, read in churches, studied by pastors, etc. And, and then we come to the point where the church seems to have uh, come to a, a more or less universal conclusion about which books that had been written belonged to the category of Scripture, which ones were inspired by God, and which were just perhaps helpful writings. Now, let's talk about that first period of time. So, there was a period of time in which the New Testament was being written. Let's say roughly A.D. 50 to A.D. 100. And, and the reason for that is okay, Jesus died somewhere around A.D. 33, and then um, Paul started writing letters probably around um, 50 AD. I think I, I, I saw, on, well, I did see today, uh, one letter of his, or probably the earliest letter of his being dated somewhere around 49 to 51 AD. And so let, let's just say roughly AD 50 to AD 100. Some put the, the writing of the book of Revelation uh, in, the, in the 90s. AD as uh, perhaps the last book of the New Testament to be written. And so there are you know, variations on uh, ideas of when different books of the New Testament were written, but more or less they're all going to fall in that category, uh, that, that time frame from 50 to 100 AD. So we're already to the end of the first century uh, before all 27 books of the New Testament have been written, have been completed. But then there's a second period of time in which those, and there's some overlap here, but a period of time in which those books that were written are then received by the whole church. So, so think about this for a moment. Uh, many of the books in the New Testament, as we said, are letters written by the Apostle Paul, uh, 13 of them in fact. Well, think about the letter Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, for example. Galatia was not a city, it was a region, and Paul addressed one of his letters to the churches in that area, into the area of Galatia. And so whenever he wrote that letter, it had to be delivered to that area, to the churches in that area, where they could receive it, read it, and uh, hear it, and then respond to it. But how long would it be before, let's say, the church in Ephesus had a copy of Paul's letter to the Galatian churches? Uh, how long would it be before a copy of that made it to Rome and then was spread to the Christians there? Perhaps when Paul was brought to Rome um, as part of his uh, arrest and imprisonment and trial, perhaps he brought copies with him. Perhaps other Christians made copies and brought them to Rome. But just, just think about, uh, for example, if um, the, for, like, for the Gospel of John, right, it was written by the Apostle John who, uh, was, uh, who, who evidently lived a, a pretty long life and, um, and uh, we're told ministered around the area of, of Asia Minor. That's where the seven churches are that, Paul, uh, that, uh, that John has delivered the letters to from Christ in Revelation 2 and 3. And so um, if 
Paul, if John writes that gospel and it begins to spread, let's say, around those seven churches in Asia Minor, well, how long until it moves out those letters or that book, that gospel is, is passed on to uh, other Christians in other places? Remember, there's, there's no uh, printing press at this time. There's no uh, you know, modern mail system where you're going to send something to somebody and it show up in a week or so. Um, there's not even any Pony Express, right? This is people hand-delivering, hand-written copies of books and letters written by the apostles. And so it's going to take quite a while, not only for all those books to be written, but for copies of them to be made, and then for those copies to make their way throughout all the regions where the gospel is spreading, where there are Christians, where there are churches, where uh, they can hear Paul's letter to Galatia, even though they're not in Galatia, or Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, even though they're not in Philippi, and, and so on, where they can uh, get all four of the gospels, though they may not be in close proximity to John, or Matthew, or Luke, or Mark, right? How long is it going to take for them to get all four Gospels, right, where they can read them and hear them and consider them. So there is a period of development, not only of writing, but also of spreading these uh, books that were written in the, uh, that we now recognize as the New Testament. So we shouldn't be surprised that the New Testament was not recognized by the whole church right away, because the whole church didn't even have the whole New Testament right away. But eventually, those books were copied and were passed on and were delivered so that there began to be a growing consensus about which books belonged to the New Testament. And the reason this was, one of the reasons this was even uh, a question at all is because, of course, uh, the books of the New Testament were not the only things being written at that time. We're not the only, Paul's letters and Peter's letters and John's letters were not the only letters being written at that time. And um, the, the books that were written that belong in the New Testament were not the only uh, writings, not the only works uh, produced at that time. So, but, but there was a process by which the church began to recognize certain books as belonging to uh, Scripture, as being inspired, being from God, and other books as not. Right? And uh, so we're going to look at some of that process. One of the early lists... Um, that we have available to us still today comes from a writer named Eusebius. And he was writing uh, somewhere in the 300s AD, uh, most likely. And he lists the books which are acknowledged as genuine. That's what he calls them. They're acknowledged as genuine. <clears throat> and here's what he lists. He lists the four Gospels, Acts, Paul's letters, 1 John, 1 Peter, and maybe Revelation, he says. And then he lists those which he calls disputed books. So these are books that not everybody agrees on. And there he lists James, Jude, 2 Peter, 2 John, and 3 John. And then he lists books that he calls the spurious. These are, these are not legitimate books. And he, he lists the Acts of Paul, not our Acts, a different book called The Acts of Paul, The Shepherd of Hermas, The Revelation of Peter, not our revelation, Revelation of Peter, The Epistle of Barnabas, 
uh, what he calls the institution of the apostles. I think that's the Didache that he's referring to there. And then he lists the book of Revelation, which he says, quote, which some, as before, reject, but others rank among the genuine. So he's saying some reject the book of Revelation and some accept it as genuine. And then also among the spurious, he mentions the gospel according to the Hebrews. That's not our book of Hebrews, but the gospel according to the Hebrews. So there you see like a lot of our New Testament already being recognized as genuine, but some books that we recognize as genuine today were kind of up in the air at that point. Not everybody was sure about them. Uh, some were even distrustful of the book of Revelation in particular. Right? Then there's another list we have. This is called the, the Muratorian Canon. Uh, scholars say it was written probably somewhere between 170 AD and 400 AD. So that, that's a pretty wide spectrum. But it might be the earliest list of the books that we have in our New Testament um, in existence, right? That's, that's its claim to fame. And all the information I have here about this, I got from an article on Wikipedia. This is not hard to find. You can Google this and read about this yourself. But here just briefly is what it says. That, that list, the Muratorian Canon, lists the four Gospels, but it only names Luke and John. The first part of the list is cut off. We can assume Matthew and Mark were the first two. That's pretty likely, right? And so four Gospels, but names Luke and John. Acts, 13 letters of Paul, Jude, two of the three of John's letters, and we're not sure which two of the three, and he mentions Revelation. He does not mention, that list does not mention James, First and Second Peter, or Hebrews, uh, and it does claim that some, but not all, accept the Revelation of Peter, which um, I think Eusebius had mentioned, and also mentions the book of Wisdom. Uh, which is not part of the New Testament canon. So um, that uh, list is pretty close to our uh, list of the New Testament. So it's not an exact replica, exact uh, list equivalent to our New Testament canon, what we, re what we recognize as the New Testament today. But it does get pretty close, and it is uh, apparently a pretty early list. Um, a church historian named Everett Ferguson says this, and this is significant. He says, by the end of the second century, so that's about 200 AD. The first century is from 1 to 100 AD, let's say, and the second century is from 100 to 200 AD. <clears throat> and he says, by the end of the second century, so by the end of the 100s AD, <clears throat> there was a core canon recognized virtually everywhere in the great church. Four Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, 13 letters of Paul, and varying other apostolic writings. In general, he says, Revelation was accepted in the West, but not in the East. Hebrews was accepted in the East as a writing by Paul, but not in the West. Of the general epistles, that's the letters of Peter and John and Jude and James. Of the general epistles, the widest acceptance was given to 1 Peter and 1 John. The others were less well known. So that's Everett Ferguson. Uh, church historian saying that. Now th that's remarkably fast if you think about it. If the last book of the Bible was written around 100 AD and they had to be copied by hand and delivered by hand all over the Roman Empire where the gospel was spreading, that's only a hundred years after the death of the last apostle and the completion of the last book that the canon, the list, 
the authoritative list of New Testament books is, is largely settled. That's actually pretty quick. And for some of the books that weren't widely recognized right away, we can kind of understand why. Uh, Everett Ferguson mentions the book of Hebrews as one that was disputed. And part of the dispute was, was it recognized as being written by Paul or not? If it was written by Paul, then there's not much of a question. It belongs in Scripture. But if it was not written by Paul, then we don't know who wrote it. Then there is a question about whether or not it should be received as Scripture. Right? Some of the, the other books that were not as widely recognized were short books. Think about 2nd and 3rd John. They barely take up a page. 2nd uh, Peter, uh, also a relatively short book. Jude, very short as well. Um, and so... You know, you can kind of see why some of those books might not have been passed around as readily, right? Might not have been as readily available, uh, might not have been as widely recognized or weren't as widely recognized. The book of Revelation was, again, a disputed book. We can kind of understand why. It's still the most difficult book in the New Testament to interpret and to understand. So all those things, we can, we can kind of see where that would come from. Right now, the first full list that matches our list of the books of the New Testament comes from Athanasius. Now, Athanasius lived in the 300s AD. This letter, uh, where this list is found, was uh, part of an annual letter he wrote to his church at uh, Easter time, and this one was written uh, in the year 367. Okay, so we fast forwarded a little bit, but this is still significant. So here's. Here's what he says about the books of the New Testament. He says, again, it is not tedious to speak of the books of the New Testament. These are the four Gospels, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Afterwards, the Acts of the Apostles and Epistles, called Catholic, that meaning universal or general, seven. And then he lists them. Of James, one. Of Peter, two. Of John, three. After these, one. Of Jude. So you got James, First and second Peter, first, second, third John, and Jude. And then he goes on. In addition, there are 14 epistles of Paul written in this order. The first to the Romans, then two to the Corinthians. After these, to the Galatians. <clears throat> Next, to the Ephesians, then to the Philippians, then to the Colossians. After these, two to the Thessalonians, and that to the Hebrews. That's why he says 14, and I've been saying 13. He's counting Hebrews as having been written by Paul. So he says 14 letters. And then he says, and again, two to Timothy, one to Titus, and lastly, that to Philemon. And besides, the revelation of John. Now, that's the, it's not all in the same order that we have it, but that's the exact same list of books that we have in our New Testament today. Likewise, Augustine, who wrote toward the end of the 300s and into the 400s, uh, at some point in his life, he also wrote in his book uh, on Christian doctrine or on Christian teaching, uh, about the, the canon of the New Testament. He said, but in the New Testament, there are the four books of the gospel, according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John, the 14 letters of the Apostle Paul, again, to the Romans, to the Corinthians 2, to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, to the Thessalonians 2, to the Colossians, to Timothy 2, to Titus, to Philemon, to the Hebrews. Again, he's counting Hebrews as being from Paul. Two letters of Peter, three of John, one of Jude, and one of James, the one book of Acts of the Acts of the Apostles, and the one book of the Apocalypse of John. That's the book of Revelation. Alright, so then going back to Everett Ferguson, he says this. He says, Councils at Hippo in 393 and Carthage in 397. So that's a little after 
Um, Athanasius's letter could be before um, Augustine wrote that work. I'm not sure the date on that book, but um, councils at Hippo in 393 and Carthage in 397 followed Augustine in ratifying a 27-book New Testament. Right, so here's the takeaway, this, and this is a quote from Everett Ferguson as well. He says, the organized church did not create the canon, but recognized it. That is the key, that what happened was the books of the Bible were written, and then they were distributed, and over time there was a growing consensus about which books belonged in the New Testament and which books did not. There were other books that were not bad, but they just weren't scripture. There were some books that were bad because they said false things about Jesus. But there was this collection of books that the church did not uh, create, right? But as Ferguson says, the church recognized. They came to recognize these books have come to us from God through the apostles. And these books carry the same weight of authority as the Old Testament scriptures, as the scriptures we had already received. And so what the church was recognizing was the books that fell into the categories that we saw established already in the New Testament, in the writing of Paul and the writing of Peter, where Paul puts the words of Jesus and the words of Moses in Deuteronomy side by side and calls them both scripture. And where Peter himself, an apostle of Christ, speaking with the authority of Christ, calls the letters of Paul Scripture equates them with the other scriptures, meaning the Old Testament scriptures. So the church did not, again, to paraphrase Ferguson, the church did not create the canon. It did not create the books that we know as the New Testament. It instead recognized those books. Over time, over time, it recognized those 27 books as being the books that were given to us, again, by God through the apostles. And what are those books about? They are about Christ. They're about the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the session of Christ, the return of Christ, and how the coming of Christ and the work of Christ and the person of Christ, who he is, how all of that fulfills the Old Testament scriptures, provides for us the way of salvation and reconciliation with God and forgiveness with, uh, of sin, and directs us in the way that we should walk as the people who belong to Christ as we wait for the return of Christ and the consummation of the kingdom of Christ when he returns and brings in the new heavens and the new earth. And to that we simply say, Amen. Come Lord Jesus.